This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company. For more information and links to all our great podcasts, visit HartmanMedia.com. Welcome to the Solomon Success Show, where we explore the timeless wisdom of King Solomon and the Bible as it relates to business and investing. False prophets and get-rich-quick schemes are everywhere. Let's not be distracted by these. Instead, let's go to the source, the eternal principles that create a life of peace, power, and prosperity. Here's our host, Jason Hartman. Yeah, it's my pleasure to welcome John Milkovich. He is a Louisiana state senator for District 38. He's author of the new book, Robert Mueller, Errand Boy for the New World Order. John, welcome. How are you? Hey, Jason. A privilege to be on your show today. It's great to have you. So um, you can't watch the news without hearing something about Mueller. <laughs> Tell us about his his connection with the New World Order, if you will. Well, you know, he's been part of the corrupt power elite for at least 30 years, he's been a top echelon official with both the Department of Justice and the FBI, off and on for 30 years before he got appointed to lead the investigation into Donald Trump. And what we talk about in our book and we chronicle is, is largely the work of other investigators, researchers, federal agents, cops, veterans, soldiers, families of 9-11 victims over the last 30 years documenting there's no conspiracy theory, documenting that Robert Mueller has been directly involved in some of the most, in cover-ups of some of the most egregious instances of federal misconduct the last 30 years. Does he just have credibility with the left because they're just being partisan and political? Or uh, has his credibility uh, been really diminished yet? Well, I, you know, I think people are questioning him now. After 21 months, give or take, of the attack on President Trump, people have been able to watch what he does. But, I mean, he has a lot of credibility, not necessarily with simply the left or the right Republican Democrat. He has a lot of influence with and support in the establishment, the, the crooked inside deep state one world government establishment, of course. And I'm using the word one, go one world government a little bit loosely. But as authors have been talking about for decades, there is a move among socialist-leaning academics, politicians, and financiers across the globe to move the world towards a one-world socialist nation or one-world socialist mm -hmm. government. Yeah. They certainly have a lot more control if it becomes that way. And if they actually institute a one-world currency ever, that will be checkmate. It's over. Game over at that point, right? Because uh, they can inflate away everybody's wealth. They can do whatever they want. That's when we need Jesus to rescue us. And you know, Jason, going back over his history, which almost no one, very few if anyone in the mainstream media talked about his his actual background, but Whitey Bulger, as we know, was the mafia kingpin in Boston, a bunch of dead bodies. And the crazy, the amazing thing about it is that Boston FBI agents were implicated, involved, and or imprisoned for at least three murders. Yes, you did hear me right. That's Boston FBI agents. So that the Boston FBI and the Boston Mafia were working hand-in-hand -hand to create a violent criminal enterprise. Uh, what's Robert Mueller got to do? Well, he was right in the geographic and temporal, uh, chronological center, epicenter of that. He was the, in Boston, he was the first and assistant U.S. attorney, and later an acting U.S. attorney in Boston for over five years, while Whitey Bulger was working hand-in-hand -hand with the feds to kill people and run a, a criminal racketeering 
operation. Pan Am 103, we rem- you're too young to remember that, Jason. I'm not. December 21st, 1988. That's the Lockerbie bombing, right? Pan Am 103 takes off from London, headed yeah. to the United States, blows up in midair, 270 lives lost. It was known in the international intelligence community within days, if not hours, who was responsible. Ahmed Jabril was a Palestinian terrorist paid by the Iranians to blow up the bomb, uh, the plane, and he had the bomb built. Monsar Al-Qasar was a Syrian drug lord who helped get the bomb on board the plane through a paid-off network of baggage handlers. And then crooked CIA officials gave the green light for the flight to take off, knowing that there was a bomb on board and that the passengers would probably end up dead. So we knew who the, the yeah. guilty parties. Robert Mueller led the United States role uh, part of the investigation of, into Pan Am 103. And what did he do? All of the guilty parties got off. Jabril didn't spend a millisecond behind bars. Alcazar, the guy who helped get the bomb on board, uh, got a, a pass. The CIA officials got a basically get-out-of-jail-free card. And instead of going after the guilty parties, Mueller helped target two Libyan intelligence officers who had about as much to do with it as special ed teachers in Dumas, Texas. That was just a distraction, right? Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. And to get the guilty parties off. And, of course, that was some international politics behind there. We were looking for allies. And well, well, What would be meetings. Mueller's motivation for this, though? Do you think Mueller was getting a payoff or some kind of power exchange? Uh, or is it just the, sort of this deep state, you know, mysterious, uh, No, nobody really knows exactly the motivations sometimes? You know, he is an individual whose career trajectory has been propelled by his willingness to take orders from corrupt members of the deep state. And, you know, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but he he did the bidding of the Bushes, the Clintons, and the Obamas. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's that simple. He was appointed to the head of the FBI one week before 9-11 by President Bush Jr. Barack Obama brought him on for another two years. And really, he's we know that he's been closely aligned with the Clintons. He covered up their role in the real Russian inclusion, which was transferring one-fifth of America's uranium to the Russians. And Many analysts, including Dr. Jerome Corsi, believe the Clintons got paid for that. They got one or two hundred million dollars or more stuffed into the Clinton Cash Foundation in connection, many believe, with their transfer in America's uranium to the Russians. So, you know, he's just been very available for people that are in the deep state that favor the demise of America and favor the creation of a one world government. We talked about 9-11. What, he, what did he do there? He, after got appointed one week before 9-11, people can think that's a coincidence or not. But the reality is, is that within days of 9-11, he was helping organize an airlift that flew the Saudis and the bin Ladens out of the United States so they could not be interviewed, interrogated, or investigated. How, how convenient. That's, that's just mind-boggling. It really is. Talk oh, to us, goodness. and so much of our audience is interested in finance and the economy and, and these types of issues. Talk to us about his uh, BCCI investigation, the Bank of Credit and Commerce International. The Banks of Crooks and Criminals International, people call. <laughs> well, in the 90s, Bush Sr. brings them in, and here we go, another Mueller cover-up. These are big boys that are involved in international terrorism, drug trafficking, and illegal arms sales. And this is not millions like they accused Paul Manafort. This is billions with a B. Mueller comes in and makes sure that all the all or almost all the big boys get off with a slap on the wrist or no no criminal penalty at all. So it was a it was a cover up where they Mueller was brought in to sweep evidence under the rug. So we've got Whitey Bulger, he covers up for the 
the Boston mob and the Boston FBI working in collusion. He covers up for the the murderers of the passengers on Pan Am 103. He covers up for the perpetrators, the principals of BCCI 9/11. I, I talked about how he flew the Bin Ladens and Saudis out of America, and, and he did took many other steps to prevent federal agents and inve- private investigative interests from finding out what really happened in 9-11. Anthrax, he targeted an innocent man and let the guilty parties go free. Weapons of mass destruction, under oath, he told Congress, look, Hussein and or Iraq had weapons of a fabrication. He said it under oath. And of course, we ended up in a war in large part because of that false mantra. Well, what else do you want people to know about uh, Mueller? Well, I think the big picture and, and I did mention the fact that, uh, well, he, he's been involved in cover-ups for 30 years. And, you know, the obvious question is, if he is Mr. Cover-up, whenever the federal, in many of these instances where the federal government does wrong, how and why did we ever trust him to lead an investigation of the president of the United States? I mean, this guy doesn't care about the truth. He doesn't care about the integrity of documents. He doesn't care whether witnesses tell the truth. He's all too familiar and comfortable with perjury and forgery and fabrication of evidence. And and I'm not saying that he personally forged documents, but he's basically very adept at falsification of evidence and prosecutions. How did he get the approval, the green light, to go after President Trump? And, you know, did he undergo a personality change? Did he drink truth serum? Did he, as we like to say in the South, you know, repent and get right, you know, before he moved on with the next? No, I mean, I see no evidence of that. I think he was brought in specifically because he could be counted on to shred the truth, disrespect the Constitution, and protect the guilty. Tell us what else you're working on. Uh, you know, what's going on uh, in the state Senate? Well, Jason, thank you. for. We have been very honored, privileged, humbled to participate in the effort to enact a fetal heartbeat bill in the state of Louisiana that was signed by the governor a week or about probably about 10 days ago, give or take. And basically what the bill says is that if the heartbeat of an unborn baby can be, may be medically detected, it is illegal to kill that baby. Once you can detect a heartbeat in the unborn baby, you cannot kill it. So the only question I ask is is that the folks on the left, the pro-abortion people, will say, well, sometimes you can have the heartbeat before the woman realizes she's pregnant. Is that true? How much water does that hold? It is true that the heartbeat may be detected at a very early stage or very soon after conception. Of course, what that proves is that, yes, there is a human being in existence in the womb, albeit small, albeit defenseless, albeit inadequately protected by our our legal system. Well, not only inadequately protected, you mean funded by the government in many cases. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's worse than inadequately protected. It's proactively killed. Yeah, and what we believe, and of course the science really shows this. We could go back to uh, Jerome Lejeune, I I believe his name was, the French geneticist who basically confirmed that when the 23 chromosomes of the father unite with the 23 chromosomes of the mother, you have a single cell organism, which is a human life. It is the DNA footprint and blueprint and architecture design of the human being that is joined into a single living cell called the zygote, which Professor Lejeune called the most complex single cell in known existence. That's that single cell. And in what he says, and it's medically true, that that single cell, that is the 
full potentiality of the human being. That Everything that the human being will become, of course, free will plays a role in who we become and decisions we make, obviously, and the extent to which we allow God to direct our lives. But the full genetic and kinetic and existential, and I guess existential isn't the right word, the full genetic potential of the human being is contained in that single cell. In other words, there is a human being at the moment of conception. And what do you call it when you terminate a human being? Well, I call it murder. Well, what if they're small? That's murder. What if they haven't been born yet? When you kill a human being, that's murder. We're against murder of the unborn. We're against the murder of the innocent. And it's what what about, are, are there any exceptions in that bill, rape, incest, et cetera? I know that's a very small number, obviously, but, you know, that's what people will raise as an issue. And yes, it's always raised. And the short answer is no. There's not rape or incest exceptions. And, you know, the conversation in the state capitol, and this is not just my views, but if a perpetrator assaults a woman, should the baby that results from that assault be executed because the perpetrator has done wrong? Is it just, in other words, to execute the innocent for the acts of the guilty? Another way of looking at it is, should we kill a hu- one human being because a, a second human being has done something wrong? Yeah, it's sort of like the two wrongs don't make a right type of thing, yeah. Right, yeah. And what about adoption instead of abortion? And should we not, our focus be on prosecuting and holding the perpetrator accountable and nurturing, supporting, and caring for the mother? And, you know, one last thought on that, that basically... What some people say is that becomes an additional second trauma to the Uh mother when the baby is aborted. Those are all factors that I believe led the legislature and me personally as Mm -hmm. a citizen to say that we should not sacrifice or execute the child that results from a episode. You know, obviously people can vote with their feet because this is not a federal law. They can simply leave Louisiana and, you know, there's states that border you, and they can go get their abortion there. You know, should abortion be a state's rights issue in the first place? You know, what a great question. I mean, yes, but then you talk about, what about the federal constitution? Do I believe the federal constitution protects life? Honestly, and this is a simplistic view, and and some constitutional scholars may cringe, but I believe that human life, including the life of the abortion, I believe it's protected by the state, under state constitutions, I believe it's protected under the federal constitution. Right, right. But what I'm saying is what we have now is not, that is not the case. So, you know, should it be up to each state? I mean, why can't a state, you know, make their own decisions, right? This is, this is how our country was set up basically as, as a republic, right? Where we can, you know, have states have some latitude in, in their own decisions in these things. I mean, certainly if you think about it, you know, murder is a state crime, right? So why wouldn't it be up to an individual state, the federal government, I don't think, unless it's like an act of terrorism or crosses borders or something, they don't prosecute murderers. States do, right? So, I mean, how does that come into play, you know? I'm not sure I could have said it as well as you just did, but I agree a thousand percent with what you just said. I'm going to have to tape record that and write it down. (laughs) There you go. Feel free. Back on the deep state issue for just a moment. You know, the deep state is so entrenched, and it it seems that Trump is trying to change things. Is he going to be successful? Is he risking, you know, his presidency, his life? He's coming up against a lot of opposition on every front. I mean, it's it's really quite amazing how entrenched and powerful these players are. 
I think we need to switch roles. I think I need to ask the questions you need to answer because you're giving all the right answers. Yes, he's risking his presidency. Yes, he's risking his life. Yes, he is making a difference. And yes, I do believe he's going to be reelected. But I agree with everything you just said. That, yeah. that that's all true. Yeah, yeah. What's going on in your economy? Are you uh, considered a business-friendly state? It's interesting to see this migration of people voting with their feet, as we talked about with with abortion, right? And just moving and migrating to the business-friendly states. It's, uh, you know, they're leaving New York and California in droves. And I think rightfully so. You know, I'm from California and I left because uh, I kind of stole the phrase from Ronald Reagan. You know, I didn't leave California. California left me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's such a great point. You know, these are some things that come to my mind, and, and you can improve on this analysis, I'm sure, Jason. But number one, excessive taxation versus fair taxation. Everyone should do their part, but people should be – companies should not be getting soaked. And I don't believe the middle class should carry the tax burden for multi-billion dollar corporations. I don't. But I do believe that taxes should be reasonable and fair and generally lower. Number two, in order to get there, you got to reduce the size of government. And that needs to happen, I believe. And then issues three and four and five are maybe not in this order. I think crime has got to be dealt with. We're going backwards in some respects in Louisiana because what we're saying is that if juveniles commit crimes, uh, they should get a slap on the wrist. They shouldn't have to see the inside of a jail in many instances. They shouldn't get discipline in the schools. They shouldn't have a record. They shouldn't guess every time they commit a crime, you take them to Dairy Queen and get them a milkshake. I mean, it, it's uh, – and I understand these children. I've been blessed to work in children's ministry and work with kids that don't have parents, don't have family structure. But we have to deal with crime, and I think that's number one. You hold kids accountable. Number two, you've got to spend time with them and love them. So it's both part of the, the biblical admonition and the biblical uh, parenting equation, nurture and admonition. And then education. Education is being trashed in our state. We've got a, a guy who is a protege of Arne Duncan, uh, President Obama's education czar, and Michael Bloomberg, the mayor of New York. And I can't tell that he wants Louisiana education to work. It seems more consistent with what's going on that he came to trash our education. But our values are going down the tubes. Our common, the Common Core is ridiculous. It doesn't work. It's trashing our values. The math is incomprehensible. Parents can't do math with their kids. So crime, education, and then I think faith. I believe that one thing that Louisiana has uh, in the midst of all our challenges, we have a, an extremely strong faith community. It cuts across party lines, demographic lines, racial lines, economic lines. So what about those for factors? Yeah. Less tax, less government, crack down on crime, work with kids. Let's get back to basics and education, discipline, respect, and values. And then let's honor the value of faith in the Christian church in our communities. Well, certainly part of this migration that we're seeing is uh, not just people voting with their pocketbook and going to the more business-friendly places, but they're also going to places where they share the politics and belief systems of other residents there. And uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting what's happening. Well, good stuff. Give out your website and tell people where they can find you. Oh, listen, Jason, thank you so much for allowing to come on the show. And next time, I'm going to ask all the questions you're going to give all the answers. Cause I think <laughs> well, I'm not a politician, to, but... <laughs> well, hey, I'm not sure if I am either, but you got the right answers. Jason, our book is available on robertmuellerarrandboy.com. That's robertmuellerarrandboy.com. If anyone wants to reach me, 318-425-1957, John Milkovich at 318 
425-1957. Senator John Milkovich, thanks for joining us. You're doing a great job out there. Keep up the good work, Jason. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.